And we are back. Welcome, my friends. This is Declaring Liberty, and I am your host, Mark Pantano. It's good to be back to the podcast. Uh, I've been gone for a while. I haven't done the show in over a week, so I have a lot to talk about. I doubt seriously that I will get to most of it, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Today is Wednesday, March 4th, so that means yesterday was the Super Tuesday primary. Of course, you all know how that turned out. Joe Biden did far better than was expected. Um, Michael Bloomberg has since dropped out of the race and thrown his support behind Joe Biden. So that leaves uh, Gropey Joe. Um, Elizabeth Warren, I think, is still in there. Who knows? Um, Last I I heard, she's still in there. And Bernie Sanders. Um, Look, this was always... Uh, going to come down to a race between Bernie Sanders and somebody else. Bernie Sanders has uh, a base of support inside the Democrat Party, which is sizable and which is passionate and which will not leave him. And so that base of support was always going to carry him through to the end of this primary contest. The question always was, who was going to be the last one standing against Bernie? Because there's basically the Bernie camp and the anyone but Bernie camp. And that that vote, up until now, has been divided amongst all these 15 million candidates that they had at one time or another. And as all of those uh, dropped out, most of the supporters of those people went to the remaining anyone but Bernie candidates. And so now we're in a position where we have Bernie and then uh, Joe and, and Elizabeth Warren. So that's what we've got. Elizabeth Warren, unless people take another look at her and get excited about her, which I don't see happening. She's had her little mini bump about a you know, couple months ago or whatever. Um, I, I think she's done. This is probably going to come down to a race between Joe and Bernie. And then who knows? I mean, you got to assume that Joe Biden is the most likely nominee at this point, which I find kind of surprising. I would not have predicted this at the beginning of the race. I thought that the uh, anti-Bernie candidate would have ended up being someone else. I didn't know who that someone else would be, but I never really expected it to be Joe Biden. And the reason uh, is because, well, well, he's Joe Biden. I mean, this guy's a doofus. He's a class A buffoon. He's been in politics for about 150 years. Um, I don't know how the hell he's managed to stay in politics so long. Uh, He puts his foot in his mouth every time he opens it. Um, You know, this guy is is level A stupid. And he doesn't have any sort of passionate base of support. He never has. Nobody gets excited about Joe Biden. But, you know, these other candidates have been so thoroughly unimpressive that I guess, you know, Joe Biden has just kind of been the default and so that's how that's how we got to this spot. It's um, it's probably going to be Bernie Sanders versus the the default buffoon, and uh, hey, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it could go either way. Um, you got to give the edge to to Joe Biden simply because I think the narrative that has formed um, is that Bernie Sanders would be a weak candidate against Trump because of the socialist label, the self-imposed socialist label. If Bernie Sanders had not been calling himself a socialist for the last 30 years or more, if he, if he didn't, if he didn't self-identify that way, uh, if he was just a left-wing Democrat like all these other left-wing Democrats, 
It, this would probably be Bernie Sanders. Uh, I mean, he probably would have this thing you know, locked up by now. But people are worried about the socialist label and what Trump is going to do to Bernie if it came down to a, a contest between Trump and him, what he would do with that, that socialist label. So Democrats are afraid of that. They're afraid that Bernie would be weak against Trump, and so they, they believe the narrative that Joe Biden would be a stronger candidate. And I think that's why... They have coalesced around Joe Biden. I think that's why Joe Biden is likely to get the nomination. But who the hell knows? You know, I, I tell you all the time, I can't predict you know, how these idiots are going to vote in the Democrat Party. Um, I don't want to get deep enough into their psyches to try to understand them on that level. Uh, because if you, if you surround yourself and immerse yourself in crazy like that, um, that can't uh, do anything but make you a little bit crazy. So I don't want to get too close to the insanity just to be able to understand it. I will just, I will just step back, keep my distance, see what they do, and then react. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, ultimately, um, I don't care. All these people are the same. There's not a dime's worth of difference between any of these Democrats. Uh, I, did, I did always find it funny, though, I will say, that people took Pete Buttigieg seriously. I never took this guy seriously. Even when he was surging, even when he uh, won Iowa. He did win Iowa, right? He just won I Yeah, he won Iowa. Even when he won Iowa and he, he came really close in New Hampshire, I never took this guy seriously. I always expected that he would do well in those first two contests, Iowa and New Hampshire. And then I knew he would fall apart after that. And... The reason is this: you got to understand the different the different factions that make up the Democrat Party, and the factions that dominate those two early primary states of Iowa and New Hampshire are the same group of people. These are white liberals, and if if the one defining characteristic of white liberals is that they live to virtue signal. Everything they do is aimed at um, projecting something about themselves to the world, all right? Virtue signaling. They want everyone to know what a good person they are. And that's how they vote. And right now, uh, you know, in this election, they looked at the candidates and they wanted to tell the world that they are that they are good people because they voted for the gay guy, because they're woke, um, and and that's what motivated their. That's why Pete Buttigieg appealed to these people, not because they particularly liked Pete Buttigieg, or what he says or anything like that. It's about who he was. He's a gay guy, and they're white liberals. And they live to virtue signal, so they're going to vote for the gay guy so they can brag to all their friends and post on social media and Facebook and tell all their friends and family that they voted for the gay guy. They're such a good person. So that's why he did well in Iowa and New Hampshire. But once you get out of there and you get to a place like South Carolina, which has a very large uh, black population voting in the Democrat Party, and then you get other minority groups and, and you know, in different states, they, they, they're not impressed by that the way white liberals are. They do not live to virtue signal the way white liberals do. So that wasn't going to get 
that wasn't going to get Pete over the finish. He had nothing to offer at that point. You know, he, he looks like he's about 15 and a half years old, uh, like he's trying out for the debate team in junior high. Uh, he, he's got no record of accomplishment. I mean, this guy is thoroughly unimpressive. Being gay is all he's got to offer, and that wasn't going to get him very far with really anyone else but white liberals. So that's why he's gone. And he, if you noticed, after New Hampshire, that was it, you know? It was like a dead cat thump after that. He, he got no bounce out of those states because nobody cares. Nobody besides white liberals cares about the gay thing. So that's why Pete Buttigieg is gone. Amy Klobuchar, she was never going to go anywhere. She did far better than I expected her to. So, I mean, I got to gotta give her a little credit for that, I guess. Um, but she was never, she was never seriously going to get anywhere. She, to me, she seems like a, a, you know, a substitute teacher that really wants to be liked. That's how she came across to me. She wants to be everybody in the class. She wants to be their friend. Uh, that, that, you know, that's who she is. And the rest of them, just, just an assortment of losers. Uh, but really, there's, there's not a dime's worth of difference on, uh, between them on the issue. So whoever they nominate, uh, it's, all, it's all the same. And let me tell you, whoever they nominate, despite the popular wisdom on the right, has a good chance to, to defeat Donald Trump. Now, I'm not predicting that Trump will lose, but what I'm telling you is, look, I hear all the time uh, that Trump is going to win in a landslide, um, that no Democrat has a chance against Trump. I think this is all BS. I think whoever gets the Democrat nomination has a good chance to win. Uh, they, they immediately have uh, an air of credibility, of legitimacy, just for being the Democrat nominee. And so... I mean, you got to take that seriously. And I think the election is going to turn on things that haven't even happened yet. We need to see what things are what things are going on in the world and in the country in November. Right now, it's March fourth. The, the election isn't till November. That's a that's a lifetime in politics. And so, we're just going to have to wait and see. As I said, I mean, the election can turn on things that haven't even happened yet and that we can't even possibly predict. Who knows what will happen between now and then? Who knows what could happen in the world? What could happen to the country? Who knows what is going to happen with uh, you know, the economy, for example? If the economy were to go south, Trump loses, period. And I think that's why, for example, you see uh, all this concern about the economy in the wake of the coronavirus thing. Because Trump is obsessed <clears throat> with the state of the economy. Uh, not so much that he cares about the state of the economy, which I'm sure he does. But because he knows that it is the only thing that is propping up his numbers. And in fact, because the stock market has taken a dive and there are warning signs in the economy because of fears about this coronavirus... Trump's approval rating has already begun to slide. He's already uh, losing support, uh, you know, as reflected in his approval rating because of fears about the economy. The truth of the matter is, and we've talked about this a lot, despite the fact that people on our side, people on the right, uh, talk in terms of Trump being the greatest president ever, nobody has ever accomplished as much as Trump. All of that is nonsense. The truth of the matter is, Trump has accomplished very little in terms of big issues. The economy is about the only thing he has really done. That's it. In fact, when you 
talk to Trump supporters, even his most ardent supporters, you know, who live and breathe all things Trump. These are the cultists I'm talking about. Um, I have to use that word, by the way. I, I, I have people sometimes, you know, counsel me not to use that word because it turns people off, gives people the wrong idea. But I'm going to keep using that word because it is the most accurately descriptive word for these people. Now, not all Trump supporters are cultists, okay? I don't know how many times I have to say that, but not all Trump supporters are cultists. Many of you are, are, are Trump supporters, and I doubt any of you are cultists. If you are, you would have tuned out this podcast a long time ago. Um, but if you talk to the cultists, you know, you would you would think they, they, they could you know, recite to you every single thing that Trump has done that is a great accomplishment. Uh, but most the, mostly the only thing you get is the economy. They can't really come up with anything else. They'll give you, a, <laughs> they move the embassy to Jerusalem. But beyond that, you don't get a whole lot because there really isn't a whole lot. There's little things, little things. Like they'll tell you something about the VA. You know, some, some minor little things. Yeah, it might be important to people who use the VA system, but as a major national issue, it's not a big issue. It's certainly, you know, not the reason Trump was elected. Trump was elected on illegal immigration, and on that, uh, he's done virtually nothing. And so the economy, if he gets reelected, it will be because of the economy. If the economy uh, starts backsliding, if we don't have a... And look, we are not starting with a great economy to begin with. It's plus or minus 2% growth, depending on the quarter. Uh, that is not good growth at all. We used to bash and criticize Barack Obama for having 2% growth. Now that Trump has 2% growth, apparently it's the greatest economy in American history. Well, of course, that's laughable. 2% is pathetic growth, especially when you have such a low unemployment rate. So we're not beginning with a great economy to start with. So if we, you know, if the economy starts going downhill, Trump is toast because there is no other rationale uh, for, for a broad swath of the American people. A lot of the, you know, independent-minded people, um, Republicans who aren't really thrilled with Trump, but they're voting for him because it's a good economy. You know, independents voting for him because of the good economy. Without a good economy... A lot of those people say, well, the hell with this. There's no reason to vote for him then. The economy was it. I, you know, I don't like the tweeting. You know, I don't like his divisiveness. I don't like, you know, him, you know, the, the nastiness that comes out of him. Um, you know, all the things you get as criticisms of Trump that people in the middle don't like about him. You know, they overlook that because of the good economy. If you don't have a good economy, then a lot of these people will see no reason to vote for Trump. And then you get in a situation uh, where it becomes very difficult for Trump to win. Uh, and then at that point, it doesn't matter who the Democrats nominate. That person will benefit. So everything hinges on the economy for Trump. So that's why I say, uh, yes, absolutely the Democrat can win. Will the Democrat win? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I don't make predictions uh, really about these things, and I certainly wouldn't w make one on March 4th when the election is until November. Okay, enough about that. Now, um, I guess we should continue with our talk about uh, the cult, because as you know, I believe that these, these Trump cultists 
And again, not all Trump supporters are cultists. Most Trump supporters are not cultists. But there is a significant percentage of people in the Republican Party, and it is the most vocal people in the base of the, the party, and the most loyal Trump supporters are, you know, tend to be the cultists. And they are a serious problem because they are the reason that we can't actually pressure Trump to keep any of his promises. I've talked to, to you about this over and over again. It is our single biggest political problem right now. It is the reason we can't tackle any of these issues or make any headway. Is the reason why Trump hasn't done a damn thing uh, effective about illegal immigration. The reason is because he does not have to. As he tells us all the time, he's got a 95% approval rating inside the Republican Party. What he tells, what that tells him is that the Republican Party, the base of the party, absolutely 100% supports him and approves of everything he does and has no complaints. That's what that number tells him. Now, if you have that kind of loyalty from your party, you don't need to do anything different uh, to keep their support. They are completely happy with you. And so why do the difficult things like put the military on the border? Why do the difficult things like issue an executive order uh, to end the practice of granting birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens? Why do those things? I mean, you don't have to. There's no pressure on you. There's zero pressure on you to do it. Republicans are going to vote for you overwhelmingly no matter what. They're going to fill stadiums for your dumb little rallies whether you do those things or not. They're going to come in and wear ridiculous hats and chant lock her up whether you do those things or not. They love you no matter what you do. So there's no reason to do those difficult things. And that's why we can't get anything done. That's the reason right there. And these people, um, frankly, are, are nuts. Uh, they're absolutely nuts. But it's not uh, hard to understand when you realize and accept that for them, this is a cult. If you accept that, if you accept what I'm telling you, that these people are not part of a political party, for, for them, their support of Trump is a cult. It is a cult of personality. Once you accept that, then what you hear them say and what you see them do will make perfect sense to you. Like, let, let me take, for example, an issue here. Uh, yesterday was the primary, okay? Um, Alabama had a primary. Jeff Sessions is running uh, for the Senate again in Alabama. And he is forced into a runoff uh, with another Republican who is a rhino. Uh, he, he is terrible on immigration. Um, he will probably vote for a massive amnesty. He is exactly the kind of Republican we do not want in the Senate. Jeff Sessions, on the other hand, is a solid conservative, especially on the issue of illegal immigration. And of course, illegal immigration is the single most important issue, period. Nothing else even comes close um, for all the reasons we've talked about. Now, between those two candidates, the choice should be simple and obvious. Jeff Sessions is the far better choice. We should want Jeff Sessions in the United States Senate. But that's not what the cult wants. And why? Well, because Donald Trump hates Jeff Sessions. And why does Donald Trump hate Jeff Sessions? 
Well, because Jeff Sessions recused himself in the whole Russia investigation thing, which led to the, the appointment of Robert Mueller as special counsel, and Trump has hated Jeff Sessions' guts ever since. He blames Jeff Sessions for the whole thing. And if truth be told, um, I don't disagree with him in much of that criticism aimed at Jeff Sessions. As soon as Jeff Sessions recused himself, I immediately called for Jeff Sessions to be fired. I was outraged by that. There was no reason for Jeff Sessions to have recused himself in that situation. And it's true. Because of that, he opened the door to the appointment of Robert Mueller because that put Rod Rosenstein, once Jeff Sessions recused himself, that put uh, the deputy attorney general, who was Rod Rosenstein, uh, who is, you know, an establishment deep state hack, if there ever was one, that put him in charge of the Russia investigation. And he's the one who appointed Robert Mueller. So there is a lot of blame and criticism that is rightly aimed at Jeff Sessions over that. Um, but that that's irrelevant to whether or not Jeff Sessions should be in the Senate. How he performed as AG is irrelevant. But uh, Trump still hates him, obviously, because to Trump, everything is personal. What I am trying to get across uh, to my listeners and to my viewers, and by the way, uh, please follow me on YouTube. Whether or not you normally watch YouTube videos, please subscribe to my channel on YouTube. I'm going to start doing a lot more videos um, because a lot of people don't listen to podcasts and uh, other platforms are not good platforms for getting across serious points. Twitter's a, you know, a ridiculous platform uh, for trying to, to have serious discussion about anything. Facebook is similarly ridiculous. And so what I'm trying to do is record short videos, five to 10 minutes long on single issues and topics and try to put these things out frequently to reach more people. Uh, so please go ahead and subscribe over there and, and recommend my channel to other people help me grow it that would help me and I'd be greatly appreciative of that but what I'm trying to do is get people to understand what we are dealing with when it comes to Donald Trump if you don't understand what you're dealing with then you can't be effective in in getting what you want and that's the problem most people do not see Donald Trump for who and what he is. They don't. They should by now. We've had three years of a track record. Um, and so it should be obvious to everyone who and what Trump is. Trump doesn't care about most of these issues. He's not a conservative. Can we? I'm sick and tired of, of Donald Trump being the measure of conservative now. This party is such a cult that the word conservative now means um, your level of devotion to Trump. That's what makes you a conservative. If you are 100% like cultish devotion to Trump, then you are a solid conservative. Um, if you are devoted to Trump to a lesser degree, then you are a lesser conservative. That's how we measure conservatism now inside the Republican Party. It has nothing to do with issues. It has nothing to do with principles. Trump is now synonymous with conservatism, and that is absurd. I'm not ceding the word to these people, but that's how they use the word. That's what they mean when they say conservative. 
Um, most of these people are not conservative in any shape, matter, or form, but they fancy themselves conservatives because they're, you know, they're they're Trump cultists. But Trump is not a conservative. He's never been a conservative. He was a Democrat until 15 minutes before he decided to run for for president. He has no track record of of being active on any conservative issues at any point in his life. I mean, this is not a conservative. Now, he may have done some conservative things and there is no there is no arguing otherwise. He has done some conservative things. He has done some very good things. But he's not a conservative. He is not motivated by, you know, principle. Uh, and ultimately, he doesn't care about most issues. At all, really. Everything is seen through the prism of, will this help me personally? Um, and, that, and, and that goes from how he approaches different issues, his stands on different issues, to endorsing people. Okay? When he chooses to endorse someone, it has nothing to do with ideology, principle, or the, the candidate's position on issues. It has everything to do with two things. One, he endorses people he thinks are going to win anyway, because then it looks good on him. Because he picked the guy who's going to win, and then he can claim that the person won because of his endorsement and further puffs up his ego. The other thing that motivates his uh, his endorsement is uh, people he believes are going to be personally loyal to, to him. Those are the two things. It doesn't matter what their positions on issues are. At all. That does not matter. Because time and time again... He sabotages conservatives and endorses liberals and rhinos time and time again. Uh, he did it. He's doing it right now. Um, we, you know, I covered this on one of the videos the other day. He endorsed Kay Granger, an absolute leftist. In fact, an absolute leftist who trashed talk Trump in uh, 2016 and wanted Trump to drop out. I mean, this person hated Trump and is a rhino and Trump endorsed this person and uh, undermined her conservative challenger. And now that challenger has been defeated. So now we're stuck with a, a liberal rhino. Um, another one is Tom Tillis in North Carolina. He endorsed Tom Tillis, an open borders liberal. And uh, Trump sabotaged the conservative in that race. And now we're stuck with uh, Tom Tillis. Now, now the choice in North Carolina is either an open borders rhino who will vote for massive amnesty or a liberal Democrat. Those are the two choices. We could have had a conservative, but now, thanks to Trump, we don't have that option. Trump does this over and over again. Um, and the reason is because these people have have sworn personal loyalty to Trump. They defended him uh, vociferously during impeachment. And that's all, that's all you need to do. Because it has nothing to do with issues. It has everything to do with Trump personally. How it personally benefits him. Issues don't matter at all. Now back to the Jeff Sessions thing. His candidate, uh, I mean his uh, challenger, his opponent, as I said, is, is awful on immigration. And yet Trump wants that person to be elected instead of Jeff Sessions, who is a solid conservative. And Trump is out trash talking uh, Jeff Sessions on Twitter today. Here's what he wrote. He quoted a political, Politico argue, 
Hold on, let me try this again. He quoted a Politico article um, or a Politico tweet that said this. Trump's former Attorney General Jeff Sessions finished well short of a majority in his Alabama Senate primary. He now faces a runoff against former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville. All right, so Trump quoted that and said this. This is what happens to someone who loyally gets appointed Attorney General of the United States and then doesn't have the wisdom or courage to stare down and end the phony Russia witch hunt, recuses himself on first day in office, and the Mueller scam begins. So, uh, of course, dutifully, all his little cultists are out trashing Jeff Sessions and promoting uh, this rhino, Tommy Tuberville. Let me tell you a little bit about this Tommy Tumor Tuberville guy. Here is an article from Breitbart back in August. Alabama GOP Senate candidate wants illegals to fill American jobs, hires Zuckerberg cheap labor aid. In May, the Tuberville campaign announced that it had hired consultant Rob Jesmer, Zuckerberg's chief GOP aide for Forward.us, the billionaire's cheap labor lobbying group that advocates giving amnesty to illegals, as well as allowing Silicon Valley tech giants to have an unlimited supply of white-collar foreign workers. Oh, it, so this is um, Tuberville's top aide. Jesmer, uh, Neil Mon as Neil Monroe reported, was influential in lobbying GOP members of Congress to support an immigration agenda that favored amnesty for illegal aliens with the promise of border enforcement, coupled with additional foreign guest workers for multinational corporations like Facebook. As recently as 2017, Forward.us had lobbied Congress to pass the DREAM Act, legislation that would give amnesty to the majority of the 11 to 22 million illegal aliens living in the U.S. Most recently, Forward.us pushed a green card giveaway that rewards big tech's business model of using H-1B visa program uh, to import foreign workers over hiring American graduates. This is your... Tommy Tuberville. This is the candidate who apparently Trump now wants to win because he hates Jeff Sessions. This is the guy. You know, Trump's primary issue, not anymore, obviously, but the one that got him elected was illegal immigration. And fast forward three years, now he is openly trying to get elected uh, a pro-open borders, pro-massive amnesty rhino simply because he doesn't like Jeff Sessions personally. This has nothing to do with issues for Donald Trump. You need to understand that. Nothing that, that, that motivates Trump has anything to do with issues. For the most part, he couldn't care less about these issues. Now, he, he plays up some of these issues uh, for conservatives to try to keep conservatives happy. And of course, he does pursue conservative policies with respect to the economy because that benefits him personally. But in terms of illegal immigration, he I don't think he ever had any, you know, serious interest in stopping illegal immigration or else he would have done a whole lot more than he has. Now, I don't doubt that all things being equal, he would be fine with having kept that promise. Uh, but given the fact that his, his cult uh, doesn't care whether he keeps that promise and he's got 95% approval inside the Republican Party... Given that, he, he doesn't really have to care about the issue anymore to the extent that he did it all. So it's just fine with him that we don't do anything about illegal immigration because it's not hurting him. It's not hurting him at all. 
And so here we are. And what you get from the cult now is the piling on of Jeff Sessions. Um, I have seen and heard so many comments today that uh, Jeff Sessions is a rhino. They're not going to vote for him because he's a rhino. They have no idea what they're talking about, these people. But again, you know, rhino as opposed to conservative. And remember what I told you the definition of conservative is to these people. It is the degree of devotion to Trump. And because Jeff Sessions was seen as being disloyal to Trump when he recused himself, that means he is now a rhino. It doesn't matter what Jeff Sessions, where Jeff Sessions stands on any issues. It doesn't matter that Jeff Sessions has a long track record of being a solid conservative on, on nearly all issues, especially the most important issues like illegal immigration. His positions don't matter. He is a rhino simply because he one time did one thing that was seen as uh, harming President Trump. That's all that matters. And now, because of that, these damn idiots um, are, are going to elect, if they had their way, they are going to elect an open borders rhino who will vote for massive amnesty just because they don't like Jeff Sessions. And by the way, I had this thought with respect to this whole Trump hatred of Jeff Sessions thing. As you know, despite all the, um, the abuse Jeff Sessions has taken from Trump, and I, look, I have no, I'm not a special pleader for Jeff Sessions. Um, again, I've told you this a million times. I don't care about any of these politicians personally. I don't know any of them. Um, but as, you know, as between Jeff Sessions and this rhino, I'm going to go with Jeff Sessions every day. But I was thinking about this rivalry between um, Trump and Sessions. Sessions has never once badmouthed Trump. He is to this day praising Trump. Of course, a lot of that, I'm sure, is, is political. He knows that uh, Republicans whose votes he needs in the primary love Trump, so he's going to parrot the I love Trump stuff. But, but he has never said a single word negative about Donald Trump. Never. Not that I'm aware of. He does nothing but praise Trump, while Trump does nothing but trash Jeff Sessions. And here was my thought, you know, we have uh, a lot of Christian leaders who, you know, tell us that, that Trump is, you know, the most Christian, the most Christian president we've ever had. Uh, some, some version of that. It's really absurd. A guy who never goes to church. Uh, I don't even know if he has a religious affiliation. Um, this guy, you know, he, he has openly said he doesn't need Christ's forgiveness. He was asked about that before, and he said, why do I need forgiveness? I don't need Christ's forgiveness. Uh, yet this guy is the champion of, of, of the Christian right. Never made any sense to me. But it dawned on me. I mean, if, if he is the champion of the Christian right, this is a man who has zero forgiveness in his heart for anyone. Here is Jeff Sessions, who has done everything he can uh, since the whole fiasco where he recused himself. Uh, to try to be loyal to Trump. He's done everything Trump has asked him. He's kissed Trump's ass. He, he praises him every chance he gets. Um, yet Trump shows not the least, least bit of forgiveness towards Jeff Sessions. It would appear, from the way he talks about Jeff Sessions, he wants the man destroyed. He wants him destroyed. He has nothing but hate and contempt for this guy. A guy who grovels before him seeking his forgiveness in front of everybody. Uh, yet Trump doesn't give it. Now, that doesn't speak very highly 
of his Christian character. Um, you know, just just as an aside, because I see this all the time. Um, anyway, so that's where we are with the cult. And this is why I've been telling you for so long that this cult mentality is destructive. It's absolutely destructive. Because it's not based on principle. It's not based on, on issues at all. It's based on the personal whims of Donald Trump. These same people, these same cultists who are out trashing Jeff Sessions, calling him a rhino. I saw, saw many people calling him a traitor. I mean, how ridiculous is that? The guy recused himself on an investigation. You know, uh, rightly or wrongly, he thought that the rules of professional ethics required him to recuse himself. Now, look, I disagree with that. I don't think the rules of professional conduct required him to recuse himself from that investigation. But other people disagree with me. But there are such rules that require prosecutors to recuse themselves when they had a personal involvement with the incident under investigation. And because Jeff Sessions was part of Trump's campaign, and a lot of this investigation stuff had to do with the Trump campaign, Sessions believed that the rules compelled him to recuse himself. This guy's not a traitor to anything, but that's the word being used to describe him. He's a rhino. He's a traitor to the country because he recused himself on an investigation. An investigation that is over and is done and Trump is still in office, yet Trump can't let it go. Trump can't forgive and move on. No, he's got to destroy Jeff Sessions. But anyways, back to my point about the cultists. They call him a, 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 a rhino. They call him a traitor. But that's only because Trump hates his guts. Now, if Trump all of a sudden changed his mind, you know, maybe he saw the light and decided, you know, just because I don't like Jeff Sessions personally, you know, he is going to support me on my number one issue to the extent that Trump even pursues his number one issue anymore, and he doesn't. But let's just for argument's sake say for whatever reason, Trump decides to put, a, put aside his personal hatred for Jeff Sessions and support him because he would be better on the issues that are important to the country than that rhino guy. If Trump changed his mind in that fashion, all of these damn cultists would change their mind too. Suddenly, Jeff Sessions would be the greatest ever. Suddenly, you would be hearing all these people say, yeah, he shouldn't have recused himself, but he's a great patriot. You know, he's a solid conservative. He's always been loyal to Trump. You know, go Jeff Sessions. That's what we would get from these same cultists who are today trashing him and calling him a traitor to the country. I guarantee you that would happen. But this is where we are. This is why I call, I call these people cultists. Because they don't think for themselves. They don't care about issues. All they care about is mindlessly, like drones, just following Trump and trying to reflect to Trump whatever it is he wants to hear. They try to, you know, divine what his, his thinking is on anything and then reflect that. Whatever Trump says, that's what they believe. Whatever Trump wants, that's what they want to. Whoever Trump endorses, well, that, that's the greatest person ever, even if they're rhinos on every issue. If Trump hates someone, well, they hate him too, and they're traitors, and we got to destroy them. And that sort of cult following, that mindlessness, is, is, is 
the reason it is so detrimental uh, to those of us who actually care about the issues is because we can't advance our issues because of that. Look at if they have their way, we're going to put an open borders rhino in the United States Senate instead of somebody who is excellent on the issue of illegal immigration. And, and so we're going to vote for somebody who's going to give us massive amnesty instead of a guy who would vote against amnesty, all because Trump has a personal grudge against that guy. That's where we are. And here's what's so stupid, too. The, the Senate, the term for a senator is six years. So we put this rhino, okay, let's say we elect this rhino Tuberville. That guy is still going to be in office even after Trump is gone, even if Trump gets elected to another term. This guy will still be in office in his first term for two years after Trump is long gone after eight years. We will st we'll be stuck with this guy. And we'll probably be stuck with him for as long as he wants to stay in the Senate at that point. Because once they're an incumbent, you know how difficult it is to get rid of an incumbent. So we're going to be potentially stuck with this rhino, this open borders, this chamber of commerce, you know, cheap labor lackey guy. We're going to be stuck with this guy for six years, 12 years, 18 years, all because Trump doesn't like Sessions. All because Trump personally has a grudge against Sessions. We're going to sabotage ourselves. All because Trump doesn't like the guy. This is mindlessness. This is insanity. And we elect rhino after rhino after rhino instead of solid conservatives over and over and over again because Trump endorses the rhinos for whatever reason. Because they defended him in impeachment uh, because they promised loyalty to him, because they kiss his ass, whatever it is. Look, this Kay Granger rhino in Texas, uh, she won yesterday. So now our choice is between this rhino or a liberal Democrat. So great choice. Tom Tillis won, so now we're stuck there. And, you know, there's countless other examples around the country where now we are stuck with rhinos because Trump endorsed them and sabotaged the conservative. You know, I get people oftentimes urging me to run for Congress. And I'll be honest with you, I have thought about running for office. I still entertain it in the back of my mind. It's not something I'm prepared to do anytime soon. Um, but I, I'm keeping that possibility open. But I tell you, there is no way in hell I would consider running for Congress with Donald Trump as president. And the reason is because Donald Trump could destroy my campaign with one tweet. He could destroy anyone's and anyone in a in a Republican primary. He can destroy their campaign with one tweet. So think about it. If you're a conservative and you decide you're going to run for office, you're going to run for Congress. You know, even if you're pro-Trump, I mean, because Trump has sabotaged pro-Trump conservatives. I mean, these are not people who hate Trump. These are people who are running around praising Trump. But still, Trump goes and endorses the rhino for whatever reason and sabotages not only a conservative, but a guy who was a, a guy or a woman who was uh, supportive of Trump, who was pro-Trump. So you could be a solid conservative. You can be, even be a solid pro-Trump conservative. And yet your entire campaign could be destroyed in an instant with one tweet from Donald Trump. 
endorsing your opponent. That's it. Your campaign is over. Now, it, it takes a lot to run for Congress. You know, think of all the crap you got to put yourself through. The time away from your family, the crap you have to endure in the public. I mean, it's easy if you're a Democrat to run. You're not going to get trashed in the press and all this. They're not going to call you a racist and all these horrible things. But that's what you will get if you're a conservative and you run. So it's it's already not a pleasant idea running for, for Congress as a conservative. So you got to put yourself through all that. you got to take all the time away from work. You, you, who knows all the things you got to do in order to run? It's not easy. So you put yourself out there. You make all kinds of sacrifices. You, you bust your butt running for office. And then you wake up one morning and you find out that Trump tweeted an endorsement for your opponent. Now your campaign is dead. You'd be an absolute fool. At least is my perspective. I, I think you'd be an absolute fool to run for office as a conservative with Trump in office. You're just taking too much of a gamble. I wouldn't do it. Now I'm glad that there's conservatives who do and you're not a fool, but you get the point. You get the point. For me, the calculation is simple. If I'm going to run, I'm not going to run while this guy is in office. I'm not going to take the chance. It's already hard enough. All right. Let's see. Uh, so that's the problem with this uh, this cult crap. Serious problem. Oh, and by the way, uh, did you hear the news that the <coughs> excuse me that Ivanka Trump has now uh, registered as a Republican? She's come out as a Republican. Of course, she called herself a Trump Republican. Um, and now we have Republicans falling all over themselves, praising Ivanka Trump. Now, I read Ivanka Trump's statements about this. And nowhere in uh, listing the reasons she is a Republican now, nowhere is there really any mention of issues. It's just, you know, meaningless, vapid crap. Uh but suddenly now, she is the definition of a conservative. And we have conservatives praising her. Just falling all over themselves, praising Ivanka Trump. Because she has come out as a Trump Republican. Um, count me out of this mindless praise. Uh, this, this is... Um, look, and there is a poll not long ago that showed all these potential uh, Republican candidates for 2024... And Ivanka Trump was in there, and Donald Trump Jr. was in there, and both of those were like really high in the polls. Um, I want nothing to do with this cult crap. I don't want another Trump in office. I don't like these political dynasties. I want nothing to do with this. This is so, look, I got to tell you something. Look, it is obvious to anyone who, who wants to be honest about it that... At best, if Trump wins re-election, we're just going to get four more years of this. At best, we're going to get a, you know, arguably decent economy. Um, we're not, I, I would not expect any serious robust growth somewhere between 2 to 3% because we have too many structural problems. We have massive debt to which we add more than a trillion dollars every year. It's like an anchor around the neck of the economy. We're never going to have robust growth with these structural problems that we have. So at best, we're going to have, you know, an economy that's sort of plodding along with the low unemployment. But what else are we going to get? Where, where are we going to advance any serious conservative principles? 
I don't see anything. Um, what I see is in the exact opposite. As I've told you before, Jared Kushner is uh, working very hard on Trump's behalf, putting together a massive comprehensive immigration slash amnesty bill, which is about 600 pages, according to reports. And so we're going to get that. So we're going to get massive amnesty. We're certainly going to get DACA amnesty, which will be massive. Um, we'll get amnesty. I fully expect that we'll get gun control because Trump has uh, every every time there has been a, a mass shooting, Trump has reflexively come out in favor of gun control. And it was only after pushback from the NRA that he backed down. Um, now, what what's he going to do? Is he going to back down on gun control when he doesn't have to stand for re-election? I don't know. Uh, something tells me no. Now, this is a guy who violated, egregiously violated the Constitution with his bump stock ban. And uh, for those of you who are out there saying, Oh, Mark, Mark, uh, bump stocks aren't protected by the Second Amendment. Um, look, you don't even have to get to the Second Amendment argument. Here's why it's unconstitutional. Because Trump banned something by executive order, essentially. He banned it by regulation. He ordered this regulation to be drawn up. And it was banned that way. Uh, the president has no authority to ban anything in that fashion. That would take an act of Congress. But no, just like Obama did with DACA, the president usurped the authority of Congress and essentially just rewrote the law. That's what he did. That is a violation of the separation of powers. It's a flagrant violation of the Constitution. And he did that all in the name of gun control. So if, if he has, and, and remember, this is the guy who said um, that we should take the guns first and go through due process second. That is one of the most authoritarian things I've ever heard a president say. Oh, by the way, the other way in which that bump stock ban violates the Constitution is it violates the takings clause. You cannot take private property uh, from people without just compensation. But yet, this law, well, not even a law, this order by Trump uh, banned possession of bump stocks, required that you turn them into the government, did not compensate you for the loss of your property. And if you didn't uh, comply with that and, and turn over your property that you purchased with your money to the federal government without compensation, then you would be a felon subject to imprisonment and uh, massive fines. Trump did all of that without an act of Congress violated separation of powers, and violated the takings clause of the Constitution. And then you throw on top of that the take the guns first, go through due process second. This is not a man uh, who gives a damn about the Constitution in the least. It's obvious. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna seize private property. You're going to ban things by executive order. You are going to uh, strip people of their right to keep and bear arms and deprive them of their property, take their weapons away from them, which is their property, all without even a, a court order. You will do the court order later. You'll, you'll strip them of their rights first and you'll go through, quote, unquote, due process later. If you strip someone of their rights and then you go through due process, whatever the hell that means, that is by definition not due process. That is tyranny. That is the essence of tyranny. That's what Trump proposed. That is what Trump clearly is in favor of.
So even if Trump gets reelected, this is the kind of crap we have to look forward to. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm supposed to be excited about that. And here's the thing. That's, in, that's the best case scenario. You know, it could be worse than that. And all the while, this Republican Party is going to become more and more of a personality cult. I look at it, look at where it is after three years. What the hell is this party going to look like after eight years? You know, I hear all these people, these cultists, you know, saying, uh, you know, we got, we got to reelect Trump because we can't have socialism. Look, we're going to get socialism um, if Trump doesn't do something about illegal immigration. That's number one, because we're going to lose a whole bunch more red states. Democrats will get complete control of the federal government for generations to come, and we're going to get socialism. So that's number one. But we can't force him to do anything on illegal immigration because he's got a 95% approval rating and he feels no pressure to do anything about illegal immigration. Why? Because this party is not a party anymore. It's a cult of personality. But, but you know, Trump isn't always going to be in office. At most, he has uh, less than five years in office. At most, even if he wins re-election, he's got less than five years total in office. He's going to be gone soon. And the only way we are going to combat the left, the only way to effectively fight the left is through a political party. That's, you have, that's the way our system works right now. We have to have a serious, functional political party to stand in opposition to the Democrat Party. We need a party that is actually based on issues, on principles, in order to uh, have something to rally around. But we don't stand on principles and issues anymore. All we do is stand on the personality of Donald Trump. That is the only uniting principle anymore, is fidelity to Donald Trump personally. Because issues don't matter. We will take whatever position on an issue, uh, g given whatever Trump says at any given moment in time. Whatever Trump's position is, that is the Republican Party position. And so now, people don't even... I mean, it, there is no principles undergirding this party, period. So when Trump is gone, what the hell is this party going to be based on? I don't even know. I fear the party will still be controlled by Trump's Twitter feed even after he's gone. That's what I fear. But God only knows what, what the issues will be that motivates people to the extent that issues motivate them at all. Who the hell knows what this party's going to be like? That's the reason why this cult crap is so dangerous. Because we need a functional Republican Party to combat the left going forward, and we don't have that. We have a cult. We have a cult based on a personality, and that's it. Um, anyways, I'm pushing up uh, against the hour here. I just have one more thought. Um, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday in the Super Tuesday primaries. And, uh, you know, they had many, many of these states had early voting. And so a lot of people voted early, and they ended up voting for candidates who had already dropped out of the races in their states. So these people were basically disenfranchised. They ended up, they voted for people weeks before who are no longer even in the damn race. Look, the early voting is, is stupid.
First of all, it's just stupid for, for reasons like that. Look, when you, when you vote early, you may be voting for people who eventually drop out and aren't even in the race as many people did yesterday. That's one thing. But when you vote early, you are not even voting with all the information. Because say you vote two weeks early. You know, a lot of information can come out in the two weeks between the time you vote and the time of the election. And maybe something that you learn in that interim period would have changed your vote, but you can't go back and change it. You know, what if new information comes out about the guy you voted for and makes you change your mind and not want to vote for him anymore? Too bad you voted for him and the person you would have voted for didn't get your vote. And maybe they lose because you didn't have all the information. At the federal level, I don't even think early voting is constitutional. The Constitution calls for one single election day. It does not, in my opinion, allow for early voting, but we do, and we keep expanding it. We make it longer and longer. You know, it used to be a couple of weeks. Now, some places, it's, it's more than a month of early voting. So just on its face, it's stupid because people drop out. They're no longer in the race, and you voted for them like a schmuck. Or, you know, information comes out that you didn't have when you cast your early vote, and now you ended up voting for someone who you might not have voted for if you had had all that information. So it's stupid, but it's also, um, let's face it, what is the primary purpose of early voting? It's not to make it easier for people to vote. That has nothing to do with it. Now, maybe it does make it easier for people to vote, but that's not the reason we have early voting. The reason we have early voting is to make it easier for Democrats to commit vote fraud. That is why we have early voting. Used to be before early voting, Democrats had to commit all their vote fraud on one day. Now they can commit vote fraud for a month. They can commit vote fraud in all sorts of ways. That's the reason for early voting. And yet, do Republicans oppose early voting? Of course not. Of course not. Now, there is, you know, there's a difference between uh, early voting and absentee balloting. I mean, for some people, and look, I got a problem with absentee balloting because it is, you know, easy to commit vote fraud with absentee ballots. But, you know, there is an argument to be made that is, you know, it's necessary, especially for, you know, like people in the military to be able to vote by absentee ballot. So, you know, that's, that's maybe a necessary evil, voting by absentee ballot. But there is no reason for early voting. You know, no reason at all. It, it is, is uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, but do you see Republicans opposing early voting? No. You know, and I hear all, all the time, people on our side, you know, um, you know, they decry vote fraud. You know, when I point out that Trump lost the popular vote, uh, just and the reason I do that, you know, I talk about, I try to tell people that Trump did not win by a landslide. People say, think he won by a landslide in 2016. He won by the skin of his teeth in 2016. Now he won comfortably in the electoral college. He didn't win by a landslide by any means in the electoral college, but he won comfortably in the electoral college. But that lead in the electoral college belies the closeness of the race. That was an exceedingly close race. He just barely won. He lost the popular vote nationwide. He won by less than 1% in three states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. If he didn't win those three states, 
each of which he only won by less than 1%. He didn't win those. He wouldn't be president. That's how close the race was. And he lost the popular vote. Now, whenever I say that, uh, you get the cultists yelling at you, telling you, well, that's only because of vote fraud. That's the only reason he lost the popular vote. It was all vote fraud. Two million illegally cast votes. Well, number one, I have no, no doubt that there was massive vote fraud. Two, I have no idea whether or not uh, that is the, you know, that accounts for the, the entire margin of difference between Hil he, him and Hillary Clinton. But here's the thing. I have people, you know, uh, claiming all this vote fraud and saying that's the only way Democrats can win. Of course, they also these are also the people who tell me that Trump is going to win in a landslide. And then I say, well, don't you think there's going to be vote fraud this time? Yeah, but whatever. And, and, and remember, we did nothing to combat vote fraud. We had both houses of Congress and the presidency for two years. Not a damn thing was done to combat vote fraud. So, but I hear all these people, you know, complaining about vote fraud, vote fraud, vote fraud, vote fraud. But they did nothing to push Trump to do anything about vote fraud when we could have. And do you see them doing anything or even suggesting we do anything about early voting which just makes vote fraud all the easier. And especially now we got all these blue states giving driver's license to illegal aliens. Look, it has never been easier to commit vote fraud than it is now. Imagine some of these states where illegal aliens have state-issued driver's licenses and like a month of early voting. Do you know how easy that is to commit massive vote fraud with those circumstances? You don't hear anybody in the Republican Party talking about that. Absolutely worthless people. All right. Um, before I go, uh, I, I looked on Trump's Twitter feed. And as usual, it's just a litany of uh, name calling, um, name calling of liberals and, um, you know, retweeting people who are praising him. That's 95% of his Twitter feed. It's retweeting people who, who, uh, kiss his ass and then just uh you know making up childish insults against the people he doesn't like and so today he was on a tear against uh, mini mike bloomberg this is just so stupid uh mini mike bloomberg um over and over again mini mike bloomberg you know he's on twitter but this is this is the thing i try to tell you this over and over again it's the shiny object presidency. This is how he keeps you happy and distracted. This is how he keeps you thinking that we're winning. Doesn't matter that we're not doing anything. All he does is tweet. He does tweet. He tweets and he holds rallies. What else does this guy freaking do? Nothing that I can see. Nothing substantive on issues. What issues is he pushing right now? What issues is he trying to get anything done on? Is there one? No, there's not. There's nothing. But he's got plenty of time to tweet. Doesn't have any time to issue that executive order on birthright citizenship that he promised almost two years ago. But he's got plenty of time to rail against mini Mike Bloomberg. Right? But this, this suffices. This, this keeps our people happy. You know, this keeps people going to the rallies. Chanting whatever idiotic crap they're going to chant. This keeps them happy, telling telling each other that he's the greatest president in American history and that we're winning. How the hell are we winning? Because he called somebody a name? That's winning? 
We're not winning on anything. There were two and a half hours people had to stand online in Harris County, Texas yesterday to vote in Democrat primaries. People stood in line for two and a half hours just to vote for Bernie Sanders in Texas. You don't tell me we have serious problems that we're not doing a damn thing to address. Look, this is the reason. You know? We're not, this isn't fiddling while Rome burns. This is mindless tweeting while the country burns. That's what we have right now. But it keeps the the mindless sheep on our side happy. It keeps them thinking that we're winning, even though we're not winning on any damn issues. But Trump is making fun of people on Twitter, and that's good enough for us. Guys, we're screwed. We are really screwed. I'm sorry, but there's no... There's no good news here for us because we're in a situation where the best case scenario for us is that Trump gets another four years in office um, so that we don't get the liberal Democrat, right? That's the best case scenario, right? Where are we going to be in four years? We're going to have a brain dead cult party and we're probably going to have massive amnesty and gun control. That's where we're going to be in another four years. And that's the best case scenario. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best case scenario, to be honest, at this point. Um, but we'll talk more about that on a later date. Anyways, thank you for listening. That's going to do it for me. Listen, uh, before I go, once again, go over to YouTube. Search for me over there. Um, search my name, Mark Pantano, and subscribe to my channel. I upload audio versions of this podcast on YouTube. There's not really anything to watch. It's just a static image. But if you want to listen to this podcast on YouTube, you can do that there. But I will also be putting up videos frequently on YouTube. These are going to be five to ten minute long videos. Uh, I'm going to try to just do them on individual topics um, because I think there's so much out there. One of the things that the last three years of the Trump administration has proven to me is that there is so much ignorance even on our own side. Now, I knew that there was rampant ignorance among uh, the Democrats. I have always known that. But I have been uh, greatly disappointed and frustrated and frankly depressed to to a certain extent to see the extent of the ignorance on the right. Now, uh, much of it is just, just mindless stupidity. Um, it's, which is even worse than ignorance, but some of it is, is just ignorance, not in a bad sense, but just that people don't, people just don't know some of these things. Uh, you know, serious people who want to understand the issues, but they just don't. And look, if you weren't taught this stuff in school, um, if you haven't studied the constitution, you know, you know, in depth, Um, you might not know a lot of these things. You're certainly not going to learn it just by watching Fox News and reading uh, most things in the newspapers and online. I mean, you'd really have to go and educate yourself uh, on a lot of this stuff. And many people haven't done that. And it's not because, you know, they're intentionally ignorant. A lot of people want to know some of these things. They just just haven't been taught a lot of these things. Like, for example... um, uh, the supremacy clause and how it relates to sanctuary cities. What can we really do constitutionally to combat sanctuary cities? People just 
People don't know. People don't understand these things. And it's it's not their fault. They want to know. And so I'm going to be making videos that deal with those things. I'm going to be making videos to try to educate people on, on, on some basic things that people, I think, don't know or many people don't know and more complicated things. I'll try to make it as easy as I can. Um, but I think these are things that are important because, look, here's how I view politics. And, I, as, and here's one of the things that I view as a problem with our politics. It's like if you are going to play baseball, you need to know the rules. Okay? You know, just because you think you can get six strikes before you're out doesn't make it so. You have to know the rules in order to play it correctly and accomplish your goals on the ball field. You have to know the rules. Well, that's in the in the political realm, that's the constitution. That's sort of the the rules for how politics work. That's kind of you have to know the basics. You have to know the rules of the game. You have to understand the constitution in order to even have an intelligent conversation about what a president, for example, what a president can and can't do to combat illegal immigration. I can't have, you know, a, a serious conversation with most people because they simply don't understand. And and these cultists that I talk about, they, they don't care to understand either. But many people do, but they don't understand. And so when, when I, you know, criticize Trump for not doing everything that he can to stop illegal immigration, um, because people don't understand the Constitution, they don't understand current statutory law, they don't understand what, what uh, powers the president has under Article 2 of the Constitution, because they don't know those things, they just go off what they hear in the idiot media. And what you hear on Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, wherever else, is that Trump is doing everything he can. And so they trust these sources and then they regurgitate that. But they don't know what they're talking about. The truth of the matter is there's much that Trump can do, but if you don't understand the Constitution, if you don't understand the rules of politics, you don't understand the rules of the game, you don't understand that. And if we're going to try to have any sort of independent thought in this party, we need people to understand the issues. Otherwise, you're just susceptible to the right-wing propaganda because that's what I see from people. That's what I hear from people on our side. I don't see or hear any independent thought from most people. All I get is just regurgitation of the right-wing propaganda that they heard on Sean Hannity or that they heard on uh, Rush Limbaugh or wherever else. You know, Dan Bon Idiot, whatever that moron is saying today. You know, that's, that's what they get. That's what they hear, that's what they believe, and then that's what they believe to be true. And so... You know, we can't advance conservatism if if people on our side don't even know the basics. So in my small way, I, I'm going to try to correct some of the ignorance out there um, and inform people, try to teach people some of these things with these, uh, you know, these short YouTube videos. So if you could go over there and subscribe to my, my channel and help put out these videos, if, you know, if you could post some of them on your social media sites or wherever... Just get people to listen to these things. Get people to watch these things. Try to educate some people. Um, that's what I'm trying to do, and I hope you will be a part of that. And as always, reach out to me if there is some issue that that you would like me to address. Now, I'm not, I can't guarantee that I'm going to address every issue that someone brings up to me. But if there's some issue that you would like explained 
And it doesn't just have to be a constitutional issue. It could be political stuff too. Uh, this is not just going to be a boring channel where I'm giving five-minute lectures on the Constitution, although I am going to do that. And I'll try to make it interesting. But we're also going to talk about politics. You know, I'll do the same things I do here on, on this podcast, but in shorter bites. So if there's something you'd like me to address or a question or whatever, um, get in touch with me and uh, tell me tell me what it is that you would like to see me discuss. And I'll do my best to, to, to discuss it on a video. Anyways, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, continue to fight like your freedom depends on it. Because it does.